Father, we come before you today, and Lord, uh, we just thank you. We have a place to come to that will preach, uh, preach to us, at us, and teach us the Bible uh, so that we can follow the principles in your word. We can follow what it says. We can claim its promises. We can pray based upon what you say, and we can, we can make faith responses to, to life situations in a way that sees the Holy Spirit of God answer to his word and do the work in our life. And so, Father, I pray you do exactly that today. Speak to us through your word, and Lord, let us follow through on what it says. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. You know, we live in a day of such cheap imitations where all the technological advances, even AI, has brought us the ability to mimic reality and then mimic value and quality. And so we are able to give our mothers on Mother's Day cubic zirconia. Uh, we have lab-created emeralds. We have artificial pearls, as well as artificial plants. We have you know, things that from a distance, uh, you know, for me up here, it looks like you're wearing leather. When I get closer, I see it's just pleather. <laughs> and you know, I thought you were wearing silk, but it turns out it's just polyester. And so since we live in a day of counterfeits, one of the things we see in our society is what I will say is the synthetic family. It is a synthetic family. It does not last. It will not work. It is not what God designed. And so here in America, we want to redefine gender, family, and roles in the home and make it after our own image. I'm just, I'm just being straight. I'm just, I'm just being plain with you because I'm doing this on behalf of our young people especially. But really, if you are under 40, anybody under 40, you know what I'm saying is exactly true. That within our lifetime, we have seen the redefinition of things that are waking reality into something that it is not. And it brings so much grief, all kinds of grief along the way, that we refuse to acknowledge. And it does damage to people, and we refuse to admit it. And so we redefine things in a way that makes us happy in the moment, and yet it is something that is counterfeit to what God designed and turns our life into something other than what God had as a purpose for our soul. So whether you are single or you're married or you have kids, Satan is out to destroy God's design. I think that goes without saying. But the thing you better recognize is Satan has to destroy Christ's design for hearts and homes in order for his plan to work. And if he's not successful in destroying what God is doing in your heart and in your home, he loses right there. And so our thesis for today's study is this. The devil knows if he can get the basics of your heart and your home on his side, then he can control everything else in our society. And I don't know that I am at all concerned about culture wars what I am concerned about is character wars. So this is not a mediocre topic as we approach this summer. This is the essence of human civilization. The hope for the future, if Christ 
tarries his coming is what he does in your heart and in your home. So when we have to face a random act of violence, when we have to endure drive-by shootings and innocent deaths, when we have to deal with people who have so seared their conscience that their life no longer matches waking reality. What we're looking at is a breakdown of the heart made more possible by a breakdown of the home that they came from. And until that connection is made between you adulting in God's way, then we cannot build enough prisons and we cannot fund enough programs and we cannot invent enough drugs for mental health. So here's our first point for study. Understanding that Christ's work in your heart and your home, even as a single person, even if you're a single parent, Christ's work in your heart and your home is at the core of everything. That is what places your life on its proper level of significance. So what I think I have to do today is lay the foundation for this summer. So I'm, we're going to back up. We're going to look at the origin of what God is doing in hearts and in homes from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And in future weeks, we will see what's inside a man's heart. We'll see what's inside a woman's heart. And then we'll discover what holds the home together. So if you will give me these summer weeks, and if you will let me pour into your heart what you can then build with from there, then just see how things are different when we get done. See how things are different. Not when you get home today necessarily, because every week I'm going to be giving, pouring into your heart, not just into your ears, not just into your understanding. You let me pour into your heart what ought to be there and then go home and work on it, go home and apply it, go home and build with it, and then see what we come up with at the end of the summer. Who made the home? Why did he make it? How did he make it? And we've got to answer all of that in order to know what he made it. So let's look back at what God had in mind, because the home was God's idea. Now, anything God makes is good, and we'll see that here in, in these opening chapter Genesis. So if you have a bad household, if you have a bad marriage, if you have a bad family, if you have bad kids, you have a bad home. If you are a bad person, then you have probably put your substitute in place of God's design. And today is the day you need to decide to switch back to letting God's plan determine your adulting. So turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1, because the manufacturer wrote an entire manual on how to run your home and run your heart. And if there is something wrong there, I mean, apart from the devil's attacks, you'll always have that. You have more of that if you're doing the right thing than if you're not doing the right thing. But apart from de the devil's attacks, if there's something wrong in the home, it's because something's wrong with you. Man was about to be married. He was, you know, uh, turning to his best friend, the groomsman, and he said, look, man, I'm getting a little bit nervous. And the groomsman replied and said, yeah, I mean, I think you better think real hard about anything you're going to give the next four years of your life to. <laughs> okay, you'll get that on the way home, but that is the way people value things today. But in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God established for, establishes for us what he had in mind. 
And uh, what God, if what God had in mind is not what you have in mind, then you are going to have to be the one to change because God's perfect and he's not going to. So verse 1, verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. This is our second point for study. Your heart and your home were created by, for God's pleasure and to accomplish God's purpose for eternity. If you're not born again, you got to get saved today. So you, you, you're putting your soul into God's purpose for it for eternity. And then we can get your family, your home, everything else wrapped around that. So God said it. God did it. God said, let us make man in our image. And who was he talking to? Well, he was talking to the Lord Jesus. So the Trinity got together and said, you know what? We like us. Let's make more like us. So that gets us to the aspect of lordship. Lordship is when God created humans. He designed that they would reproduce by families so that he could give an illustration of the Trinity in history. That's what that is. That's why this was done. We see it right here, verse 27, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So the the Trinity is one God and yet existing in three eternal and co-equal persons. So what is the home? Well, as designed by God and as described for us here in Genesis, the home is a family unit of persons who share genetic essence to form one unit. Now, it may be a family you're born into. It may be a family you married into. It may be a family that is made because you are adopted into it. But even if you adopt somebody, they still came from another two people who swapped DNA and combined genetic code in order to procreate themselves. And that was done so that the person they created could be adopted into your unit. Well, what is the church then? It is a covenant community of people who have all partaken of the same spiritual nature to form one body. So if you really want to see what God does, find a family that's following God's plan and go to a church that is working as his body. God created us because he has a program for us to fit into. Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and in doing those things, have dominion. So they were to partner together to fulfill God's plan of filling this earth with his lordship, and turning this planet into his kingdom. So God created hearts and homes to be a mechanism to reproduce himself in history as a means of taking this planet back from the rebellion of Satan and his fallen angels. Matthew 25, 41, Revelation 12, 7. And that is the reason God gives us the privilege of marriage and children and family or what we will call adulting. So if you have children, they are a gift given from God so that when they get saved by trusting Jesus for everlasting life, they can establish their own family and they will replicate God in a new place. 
And if you are here and you're single, this message is as much for you, maybe more so, as it is for anybody else. Because, you know, it's not just for those, this entire series, not just for those who are married and have kids. Because everything I can do with my family, I ought to be doing in this church. So turn to Genesis chapter 2, because I want to be reproducing my spiritual life and the image of Christ and passing it on to in other people through evangelism and discipleship in this church spiritually. Everybody does that. And through my family, if I am married and I have kids. So, so that way, we are winning this city. We are winning our society back from the evil one, even in the evil days. Now, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily would throw out the, as our motto, winning this city for Christ. That's a little too broad. You need to be winning people in your network of neighbors, families, and friends, and that will impact this city. It will impact that much of this city and start impacting this city. So the one thing we got to do is recognize that this issue of adulting is doctrinal and it is fundamental. And it all comes back to an understanding about how this was God's goal all along. It is the replication of subjects like himself in advance of his kingdom rule when he comes. And the way he chooses to do that physically is through the home, and the way he chooses to do that spiritually is through the heart in the church. So he needs the church and the family to both be functioning in tandem. Hell wants to stop that because hell is opposed to this plan and program and will of God. God's will is the reproduction of subjects who look like Jesus. Family was created for that. Church was created for that. So you men have to decide to get today. You have to decide together with me. I am going to follow God's word. That is my plan. I'm going to follow his word, heart and home, for the sake of God. And you women have to decide. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to make it. And my family's going to make it because I am following God. Therefore, we get from the Bible the original DNA so that we do not reduplicate the failures of our past. Either the failure of the family that we came from or the failure we had in the past in the family we were trying to make. So do not just keep hell going. Let's start heaven over again. That is the challenge that we have as we take up this entire topic. So follow me as we get into our passage. Genesis 2, look at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Okay, God's garden, God planted it. He puts Adam in it specifically to work it and to protect it for him. Eve is nowhere on the scene yet. God predicated male and female in potential, but he had not yet created both because he's got to prepare Adam for adulting. So first, God does two things with Adam. Watch, number one, God gives him work to teach him responsibility. That's verse 15. Because a man who is not responsible for himself is not going to be responsible at home. 
Okay, so you, you single ladies, I'm just saying, check out how responsible a man is for himself before you expect him to take care of you. Does he make his car payments? Uh, does he set aside money for the uh, property tax? I mean, all sorts of things go into a man taking care of, uh, you know, a, a man taking care of his own business, raising up and taking care of his own business. So, okay, number two, God gives him his word to teach him accountability. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, that's God's word, saying, God's words right here, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're going to see this in just a second, but you know, everything God does in chapter one is good and good and good. I mean, they knew good. They already knew good. But if, but if they disobey God on this, they'll also have the knowledge of evil, because thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The wages of sin is death. So Adam is to bring these two things into the home. This is the definition of adulting right at the beginning of the Bible. So let me hit you with the definition. Adulting is when you work and bring the word in order to provide for the needs of your home. Because ultimately you are all about replicating a vision and image and likeness of God and Christ-likeness for others to see, to get more subjects into the kingdom of Christ before he comes. And so that means you've got to accomplish certain necessary mundane tasks. And yet if that's all you have, if all you have is doing that, then you have a human substitute for God's design. To, to just say I'm going to follow through and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accomplish the mundane, I'm going to do adulting from the world's standpoint, okay, that's the best a lost man can do on a good day. Because not only are you responsible and grown up, adulting means that you are accountable to God's word and you are growing spiritually. So you put Christ in the center of your heart. You keep Christ in the center of your home because God has put you in the midst of his garden. And that garden may be as small as your heart if you're single or alone or as wide as your family if you are not, but it is the place that you take care of on God's behalf. You are that much of pastor. You are pastoring little people. You are pastoring yourself. You may be pastoring others and and you take care of this on God's behalf to cultivate it for what it can reproduce and to guard it from outside negative influence. So let me bottom line. Adam's job before Eve was created was to transfer the truth of God to his environment and let the word of God start doing the work and the spirit answering to the word and that's why Eve was at least able to converse with the devil about what God had said. Adam transferred God's words and provided for her as his wife. So a man fails when Christ is not the head of his heart. And a husband fails when he is not the spiritual leader of his home. And a father fails when he is not the spiritual head of his family in the absence of Christ. God saved you. God put his Holy Spirit within you. You, if you're, if you're born again, 
If you've trusted Jesus for everlasting life, God put you in Christ and the Holy Spirit in you. And I know you may be saying, look, Alan, I'm not holy. I'm not spiritual. No, are you saved? Then you are holy simply by virtue of having the Holy Spirit in you. And the only two holy things on this planet right now are the Holy Bible and you, if you are born again. So you can't just bring home the bacon. you got to bring home the book. And unless you are applying spiritual truths, you're not fulfilling your manhood. Tick-tock that, why don't you? <laughs> and they may see you working hard, but do they see you worshiping hard or hardly worshiping? Hello, somebody. Now, what does God do with Adam? This is number three. God gives him his woman. To teach him company. So we've got lordship and fellowship, but now we add relationship in verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. Now just consider the context of our text. God punctuates every creative act so far by patting himself on his Jehovistic back and shouting, that's good. Everything God does in chapter one is good. And this is the first thing in the Bible that it says it is not good. And what was not good was for man to be given the word and be given the work and be given the responsibility and the accountability and yet not have any company. So there was only a mission and not a co-mission. And that is why you need this church. Because as strong as any one man is, no one man has it all. So God gives you the pattern of the adulting that he wants for you in this life and he brings alongside you people to help you complete his mission. We do that at all church retreat. I mean, we do that at man camp. Uh, we do that in our go conference, our missions conference. It'll come up in October. Verse 18, I will make him and help meet for him. I will make Adam an Adam counterpart. He doesn't need just another Adam. He needs an Adam S. And, and, you know, and, you know, there's a word... There was a Hebrew word for making something out of nothing, and that's what God did when he created the universe. He made the universe out of nothing. And then there was a word for making something kind of on assembly line. That's what God did when he created Adam. He just scooped up a bunch of mud, kind of, kind of swished it together and said, here. And there was Adam. But then there's a word for made. There's a third word. When God makes something, look at it in verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And that means he literally built her with the time and the attention that an artist gives his greatest work. He didn't do this with Adam. Adam's kind of ugly. Uh, no, with Eve, man, he put a line there and he put a curve over there. And, and uh, in Adam, there's an image, but in Eve, there's a form. And, and uh, see, he creates her so intricately that her insides function as beautifully as her outsides look. Now, before I delve into this in detail, I'm going to give you two caveats, two caveats, uh, two, two things I want to say. First, I do, not, I do not 
I don't know how you feel about it, but I do not want our young people to say, you know, I went to church all my life. I never heard the preacher talk about sex. I don't want them to say that. I mean, I went to church all my life, and I never heard the preacher talk about sex. But I will, I, and I'm not going to talk about sex in the way that you get it in sixth grade um, health, you know, health, health class. Um, but if, where the Bible deals with sex, then okay, then uh, okay, we'll talk about sex. Uh, secondly, I recognize that I need to warn you about avoiding idealism, and yet we have to build out from the ideal. Okay, so I'm, we're starting with the thing here in Genesis. Almost no one, um, I might as well say no one, at least to some degree or another, uh, no one really has the ideal. Nobody in our culture today, nobody in our society uh, you know, past days, maybe they might have had more or lesser than what we have today, but we especially do not have it today where we uh, live up to this ideal. The problem with me presenting the ideal is that you get idealistic and you either look down on your spouse or down on yourself. And that is not what this blueprint is for. So I yet have to start from the ideal so that everyone can build out from it. We can all build out from it together. Even if you're single, there's a singleness ideal to this. And we all build out from it together like we should. And we build on this blueprint with certain tolerances. If you know anything about construction or engineering, you know that everything is engineered down to a certain tolerance well, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. So you don't, you don't have to build down to the nth degree. You just have to build with love. So a man says about a woman, when, when as Mark Trotter used to say, when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, whoa, man. And that became her name. And, you know, so when a guy says, wow, she's sure built, I mean, he doesn't know how biblical he is being. And I think that the fact that men are naturally uh, attracted to watch women is a uh, testimony uh, to uh, God's handiwork, because otherwise men are totally independent by nature, but God made that attraction so it could develop into a relationship, and then with that relationship, it could be cemented with that attraction. So when God says he created, he made a help meet for Adam, it means to be standing face to face, and uh, okay now, don't make me draw you a picture. That means all of his protrusions fit into all her indentations. And all her protrusions fits where he has indentations. And that is a complementary component to be a counterpart to God's mission. And I know these are such revolutionary concepts because it's what God had in mind. And humanity has totally reversed and put in our mind what Satan has in mind to destroy God's plan. That's why this sounds so odd. That's why we get slandered as, you know, being uh, intolerant and hateful people and things like that. No, it's not like that at all. I mean, I love you so much, I don't want you to be hurt that way. I don't want to see you live that way. I mean, it's so crazy. 
I mean, it is just so crazy that you would go to that degree, end up destroying your life so that you can never have a normally functioning, enjoyable sexual relationship ever again because, because you thought this, because you thought God made a mistake. I mean, it's just not worth it. So these are revolutionary concepts, but they only sound so radical because we're going back to the beginning. So God creates Eve to stand in front of Adam and she is his corresponding part. And husbands, if you do not view your wife this spiritually, then all you got to do is open your eyes because she's right there. And ladies, if you do not feel useful in this way, well, that's just a mind thing. You've got all the assets at your disposal to function exactly the way God created you to do in cementing the home and adulting with your husband. And this is so, you know, it's so obvious, it is pathetic how we get so far off track and Satan wins whenever we do not go back to the original blueprint. So here's Adam. Allow me to borrow the screen of your anointed imagination. He is standing there giving a brilliant name to every animal, armadillo. Why, that is exactly what that ought to be called. <laughs> but now as he's doing this, he notices how every animal has something he does not have. Because for every papa bear, there is a mama bear, but, 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 but there's not that for Adam. And verse 20 says, verse 20, and Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. Elephant's nose is too big. Gorilla's breath is too bad. Lion's nails are too long. Wolf's bite is worse than his bark. Hyena just keeps laughing at him. And somebody get that goose away from his backside. If you'll just be God's woman, if you'll just be God's man, then when you get married, you can be God's family. And when you're single, you can be God's person. And instead of a garden, Christ has a body today. So together we can be God's church. Hello, somebody. Now, how exactly did God perform this operation? Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam operating with anesthetic. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. So God made man, but he built the woman in the first act of human cloning. So he takes genetic material from the rib of Adam and he starts to fashion and construct something that all the animals had that Adam did not yet have. And that way, Adam sees that it is really just another version of him. Watch verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, the Hebrew word for man is ish, and the word for woman is isha. So she gives him femininity, and he recognizes his female side. And Ephesians 5.28 says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth. I mean, it's just getting us back to the blueprint, to the same thing Adam acknowledged. So Eve is created, fully formed, a grown-up woman. She opens her eyes and she does not say, hey, I'm not married yet. 
No, verse 22, Eve puts her hand in God's hand. She, she doesn't know nothing about Adam, but God knows about Adam. And all Eve has to do is have Christ in the center of her heart. And God not only knows who Adam is, but where Adam is. So Eve opens her eyes and God says, I want you to meet my little friend. And now if Adam wants his rib back, he's got to go to Eve. (laughs) Eve has the other side of him, the female side. And if Eve wants to understand why she's like she is, she's got to go hook up with him. So, first letter A, if you have Christ, you have enough because he's the best and last Adam and his spirit provides all you need. Second, if you're married and do not love your wife, you're just hating yourself. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're a wife who defrauds your husband in this, uh, you make him hate himself. Let that sink in. Because third, let her see, if you're married and critical of your husband, you're just tearing down your own home. Okay, so as a husband, you've got to love your wife. As a wife, you ought to respect your husband because if you don't maintain that reverence, you are murdering your own marriage. And that is what adulting means for you today because here's our third point for study. When God gives you Christ, he completes you. And by his spirit, he extends you. If he also gives you a mate, then he gives something to contribute to you and through both of you, a family to extend you. And in either, cl- in either case, you've got to plug your family, even if it's only you, into this church spiritually to make sure your life will mate to God's plan. So trust your life to Christ and you are recreated in his power. Then your life will operate by God's providence as you run your life by God's precepts. So before we leave today, i got to make sure that you understand how to have a godly home because this is biblical adulting. And I will break these things down in weeks to come. But these are the basics that we have to follow. So, so, so this particular Sunday is kind of like the d- discipleship lesson of adulting. Number one, there will be leaving. Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother... So for a home to be strong, the relationship with your natural parents has to be loose. And you're no longer uh, tied to them as your primary commitment. They become secondary to a more important relationship. And Christ has to be the priority of your heart. And if you're married, then the family you're establishing is a priority over the family that you left. And I understand that you are leaving a blood bond for a bond that is not of blood. When you get married, that is why you have to follow these principles. So that means you do not drag stuff from your old man into your new home. Okay, do not bring weeds from your past into this new garden. How many people do I see they get married and almost immediately, within a few months, they are planting the seeds of the noxious weeds either from the home they left or from the marriage they used to have into this new one that they started. Don't do that. Second, there will be a cleaving. This is how you keep from doing that. Verse 24, and shall cleave unto his wife. 
And that word means to adhere, to stick like tape. It means an irrevocable attachment to someone. Um, um, it means it means uh, wet gum. It means hot gum. It means the gum you get on your shoe on the parking lot today. Uh, no, better than that. It means the gum that you sit down in that was on a hot seat, and now it's in the fabric and almost impossible to separate from the fabric that, that the gum that you sat down in. So it's not until disappointment do we part. It's not until differences do we part. It's not until death do we part, but until death do we part. Now, having said that, I will admit to you up front, now this is just my sidewalk uh, it's just my sidewalk data, my sidewalk statistic uh, from doing counseling over the years. I'm going to say that among Christians, 20% or less of all marriages are Aquila and Priscilla. And the rest are hard work. And that's all right. Because nobody marries their sister. I mean, I hope not. I, I don't think so. That is why the principle is that you cling, and this is independent of things on either side. Number three, there will be communion. Verse 24, and they shall be one flesh. That means one body, because that is the way communication operates. Now notice the word they in this verse, because Eve is now brought into this. He must leave, he must cleave, but she must respond to his efforts by giving and receiving of herself. Satan wants to frustrate the man in this area until he quits, so that, so that Satan can split up your home. And so either you acknowledge what God is already saying, or you tell yourself what you want to hear, which Satan whispers into your ear. Verse 24 says, they shall be one flesh. So make that physical act the contradicting factor of all the other stuff to all the other incompatibilities so that through communion you can keep your mind straight on God's goals for your home. You've got to start with what God says at the beginning, the blueprint, in order to make all the other things real that he promises for you. Start with the physical to avoid being dysfunctional. After all, it's our fourth point for study. You have to agree with God and each other on becoming one flesh, so that you've got a base of unity and communion from which to communicate. Communion is the communication. Counselors will tell you communication is the biggest thing in marriage. But what they will not tell you is that talk is cheap and often deceptive. Therefore, God says, act by faith, give this obedience up front, and see if pillow talk Communion does not solve communication because communication always takes off once communion is felt. So in the final analysis, number four, only then will there be confidence. In other words, security. Verse 25, and when they, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed... It was not until they sinned and were plunged into darkness that they even realized they were naked and hid themselves from exposure. 
Sin stole that transparency of their relationship, and there was a fear of honest communication, even with God. So in closing, let me point this out. Security and the confidence which comes from security was last and not first. It was a product of proper responses in other places. It was not a product of a focus on itself. So that means those first three things have to be done up front by faith. You cannot say, make me secure and then I'll act right. You cannot say by you know, you know, by what, according to what you do, that's how secure I'll be. No, you have to say by God's grace, I will act right. And that will, that produces my security because I know that if I am acting right, according to God's word, I can trust God for anything. I mean, if you're not acting right, as long as I act right, according to the word of God, the spirit is going to answer the word and I can trust God for anything. This is our fifth point for study. You have to conform to God's will in order to feel like you have confidence in God's way. And nothing anybody else does or does not do can hinder that. And that's something that you can give because you give it to God alone. You give that obedience up front, that faith, you give that to God. So I hope you understand the words coming out of my mouth. Conform to God's will and God's word in your heart and in your home. Now, most of us, all of us, are broken already. So let me draw down the application before we leave because I want to make sure you can take this home and apply it. I want to make sure you can apply a new beginning starting today. First letter A, it is in cleaving that you find your freedom. And that is true of the heart if you are single, and that is true of the home if you are married or you have kids. So if you wash each other's feet as the servant of all and do what Jesus did all the way through the cross until resurrection, then by you following known truth from God's word, the Son himself makes you free. John 8, verse 32 and verse 36. Oh, you won't hear this on the street. Oh, you ain't gonna. I mean, go out and talk to your friends today. Hey, what do you think about? No, you won't hear this on the street. That's why he's on the street, because his old lady won't let him in the house. (laughs) But give the leaving, cleaving, and communication up front, trusting the Spirit to answer your obedience to the Word, and then, even in your weakness... God brings you power. Even during the time that nothing changes, God gives you strength. So second, letter B, it is in communion that you win conformity. If you feel like you're not of one mind, not of one heart, not of one soul, and that does not satisfy you, then work on making one flesh better. You can do that. Give Jesus your confidence. And give God's word your obedience externally as a submission to faith, whether single or married. Give a faith-based response, and then you will find the other things come along over time. So finally, let us see, it is in confidence that you win security. And that sounds so counterintuitive, so against our nature. But the bottom line all along is Psalm 127, verse 1. You can see it on your handout. Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city. 
the watchman waketh but in vain. Unless the Lord grows the church, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord keeps the heart, they labor in vain that build the life. Adults are not adulting today, and our kids are suffering as a result. Some of you need to re-consecrate your own heart to Christ. You need to recommit yourself to your home. And you may have failed, and you cannot change yesterday, but you can change tomorrow by what you will do right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Nothing built without the Lord will last. And I understand that there's a lot of people we know who are not saved and they're uh, what we would call good moral people and they have marriages that, that last this lifetime at least. Or maybe there are good immoral people and have relationships, whether heterosexual or not, and seem to last. And Okay. Doesn't, but, but if it only lasts this life, it doesn't last. That's not lasting. That's dying. That's not living. That's not eternal life. That's not standing at the judgment seat of Christ and getting rewards and then entering into eternity, fulfilling God's purpose. Do you have the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Is he your Lord this morning? Will you simply believe on Jesus for everlasting life today? And if you came here as a visitor, particularly if you don't go to some other Bible preaching and Bible teaching church, then this may sound really strange to you. But this is God's blueprint. This is not only how it should begin, but how it has to be handled after it's begun. This is what has to be built on. So if you want to be saved right now, and if you want to be promised eternal life, life after death, all you have to do is pray. Just your heart to God, knowing that he hears you. Just pray and say, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. God, I trust today in the finished work of Christ, not in my good works, but in what he did on the cross, in the blood that never loses its power to save. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. So hear Jesus, I give you my life.